with that, actually, because I think this is a really interesting point, the way that, that uh, through Wilsonianism, this, this idea of um, rejecting annexation as a, you know, legitimate form of uh, behavior or, or, you know, legitimate act under international law really developed. Um, can, you, can you say a little bit more about that, about sort of how uh, the, this pressed, pressed up against what had been the tradition that uh, you know, annexation by conquest was a, a legitimate thing, and, and what you know, kind of the the interaction uh, there on the on a global stage. Yeah, actually, um, my second book is an edited volume called "The United States and International Law" that came out with University of Michigan Press just this past summer, um, co-edited with Lucrezia Garcia Iommi at uh, Fairfield University. And um, one of my uh, the chapter I, I solo authored in that volume looks at exactly this: the, the prohibition of conquest and international law. And essentially kind of asking why and to what extent the U.S. supported that in, in various ways. You have different dimensions of, of support for international law there. Um, in the course of researching for that chapter, um, you know, there, there's a lot of obviously tons of historical work on Wilson, World War One, FDR, World War Two, founding of the United Nations and so on. But it really you know, jumped out how much uh, Wilson personally really cared about embedding a prohibition of conquest in the League of Nations system um, you know, over objections from uh, the British representatives in, uh, in Paris uh, in those negotiations. And the extent to which, again, in creating the United Nations, um, so much of that planning was done by FDR's administration. Um, and again, embedding that um, prohibition of conquest very squarely um, in the UN Charter. Um, and until you know, I think you know, in in kind of publicizing and popularizing the UN, obviously FDR's administration uh, and then Truman's administration did a lot of tying back into Wilson and, and kind of playing him up as someone who was ahead of his time and um, and uh, kind of the the course of the future when it came to U.S. world leadership. Um, but Wilson, you know, obviously failed to get uh, the United States into the League of Nations. But uh, you know, it's it's I think there's a lot to there's a lot that might have gone differently with a different individual in place, I think, in that, in that instance. Um, but there was an opportunity there that Wilson seized that didn't necessarily have to be there, I think. And that, that was created by the history that's in the Picky Eagle, that um, if the U.S., uh, you know, again, had any instinct for annexation left, then there's certainly no incentive to prohibit it. And you know, when World War I came along and the U.S. intervened and... Wilson takes on this outsized role in the Paris Peace Conference. Um, he has this opportunity to shape uh, the international order that would follow um, in a, a pretty profound way. And that was one of the big ways that he chose to kind of cash in his bargaining chips there right? to, um, to insist on this prohibition of, of conquest. And I think that the kind of reverberations of that are still being felt today, right? The, the idea that when uh, Russia launches a full-scale invasion of Ukraine last year, Know, that that stands out so blatantly to public audiences as a violation of one of the key principles of um, the international order is something that ultimately is traceable back to that U.S. effort, I think, back to Wilson, back to FDR, and, and so on. I, I actually want to talk a little bit more about that, uh, the, the, the sort of modern uh, contemporary implications. And, and I think... 
Um, I, I'd like to get your your thoughts on this. In the post-World War II period, uh, it seems like the United States hits upon, um, you know, a way to do empire without really doing empire. So it's not even a question anymore of like, do we want to annex? What are the political, you know, what's the domestic political implications? And no, it's not worth it. We don't have to do that anymore in a sense. It feels like with the explosion of uh, U.S. military bases around the world, with the, the dominance of the dollar uh, as global currency, the, the, all the kind of uh, influence and power of a global empire is there without even having to broach the subject of, of annexation or, or the domestic consequences. And I, we uh, see the, uh, I think, in recent years, sort of the rise of China and some of the, uh, you know, panic that goes on in the U.S. Uh, about things like, oh, wow, the Chinese are opening a naval base in, you know, on the west coast of Africa. This is such a huge danger. It's because we see them kind of taking advantage of these some of these same things and and doing uh, some of the things that the United States does to maintain uh, a, a sort of quasi empire without, uh, you know, the baggage of it. I'm curious. Uh, if you see a, a shift there in the 20th century and, and what it means for, for the United States and, and its role in the world. 